the, the Sixers organization is like a guy that doesn't want to commit to a relationship. You know, they have their high school sweetheart in Rocco and Dario and TJ McConnell. They jump on Tinder after dumping them. They swipe right on Jimmy Butler. They delete Tinder. They download plenty of fish. They get Tobias Harris. They get the Cougar now in Al Horford. They, they don't have any consistency in their roster. How can they... What up, what up, and welcome everyone to another episode of The Fix. Are the Sixers just like a dude on Tinder? Delete, re-download, delete, swipe right, swipe left. That dude doesn't know what he wants, but he doesn't want to commit. And that's what the 76ers organization feels like, ladies and gentlemen, to me. They feel like a team and a franchise that is not really sure which player between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, they should build around. They're moving pieces in and out like it's a frat guy on Tinder. All right. And that little audio clip right there was just a piece of the great conversation I had with the next guest on the fix, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, longtime NBA writer, reporter, insider. Follow him on Twitter at Scoop B. Be sure to subscribe to his podcast, the Scoop B Podcast, ScoopBRadio.com. Brandon and I have a really good conversation. I ask him a lot of questions about the Philadelphia 76ers. We talked the Last Dance documentary with MJ, the 90s style of ball versus today, all that and much more. Without further ado, man, let's get right into the episode Enjoy it, everyone. Here we go. At Scoop B. And what what do you have going on, man? Before we get going, just plug everything that, that you have. Well, I'm a senior NBA writer at, at Heavy.com, um, as well as, you know, the podcast, Scoop B Radio, uh, which garnered uh, 2.1 million streams last year. Have had anybody from Shaq, to Stefan Marbury, to the voice of Siri, to DJ Khaled, Mark Cuban, Kenny Anderson. Like it's, it's a mix of you know, basketball and entertainment. I had Kyrie Chef on, Corey, Corey Bryant is his name. So, um, you know, just staying busy, honestly, staying busy, staying productive, and, you know, keep in touch, keeping, keeping uh, abreast of this whole last dance thing, too. Yeah, man. And that's, we're going to get into that for sure later in the episode. So, you got me thinking. You're just rattling off all those guests that you have on, you know, the Scoop B podcast there. What's been the – I don't want to ask you, what's the best guest you've had? I mean, that's, like, boring. But what's been maybe the most surprising guest? Like, who's, like – you got done recording, and you're like, man, he was entertaining and fun, and I wasn't expecting that. Um, I'll tell you that in the last 30 days or last two months as we've been home um, – I think Shaq and Stefan have been the most um, enlightening um, because I've had relationship with them, but differently. I think when you have relationship with your guests, it makes it easier, but could also make you lazy and you got to go deeper. So like with Shaq, um, over the last two years, my reporting has been expansive and things have happened, but I've known Shaq for a while. I know his mom for a while, but we didn't exchange phone numbers until July of, of last year. Uh, I bumped into him in Los Angeles. And he was like, yo, you got my numbers, right? I'm like, nah. <laughs> he gave me his number. And then he changed his number. And I bump into him during All-Star in February. And I'm like, yo, you changed your number. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what his response is. But what I will tell you is he came in handy when I got the new number because um, I had written something about him. And I sent it to him in a text. And I was like, yo. I wrote this. He was like, thank you. Then I said, yo, you trying to come on the podcast? That interview set the tone for everything going on right now, um, particularly with the pandemic. Literally every topic he talked about um, was, was insightful because it was him and because he really gave us some thought. Uh, you know, when you, when you talk about the players that he's played with, um, he's had the ability to play, to be teammates with anywhere from Penny Hardaway to Dennis Rodman to LeBron James to um, 
uh, I, I can't name everybody, but yeah, D Wade, I mean, Paul Pierce, yes, right? maybe, yeah. yes, and because he played against Michael, he was teammates with LeBron and Penny and Wade. He gave me a lot of anecdotes on what made them different, and as well as Kobe, what made all of those guys different. And, um, you know, that perspective was interesting. And, you know, when you talk about Marbury, I think the thing that, you know, he and I had a established relationship or rapport back when um, he played for the Nets in New Jersey back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And right. you know, I wanted to kind of dive into that. He and I hadn't spoken since I was a kid, kid reporter in the 90s. And um, I wanted to know about those Timberwolves days. His former teammate, you know, uh, Kevin, Kevin Garnett, excuse me, uh, was recently got the nod as a, as a Hall of Famer. So um, I, I wanted to know the perspective of just um, why he and KG did not make it in Minnesota. And, um, you know, they gave me a lot of good perspective, you know, and, and it, it, it's hit, hit national publications as far as, you know, what things have been said. And it's, it's gratifying to know your hard work is paying off. And, you know, I'm still going. I'm not where I want to be, and I'm going to keep going. I know you are, man. I know you're, you know, no one works harder than you. I know that. So keep doing your thing. And, uh, you're definitely someone that I look up to just early on getting into this whole thing. So, you know, you know, what's cra- you know, what's crazy about the Shaq dynamic with all this last dance stuff being at the forefront of everyone's mind is MJ leaving the game. We're getting so off topic, by the way, but I'm talking everything oh. with you. <laughs> MJ leaving to go play baseball. Really? Correct me if I'm wrong. If you disagree with this, really open the door for Shaq that year to put his foot on the game and stomp on the throat of the NBA. Like, okay, MJ's gone. You know, Shaq's this young dude in Orlando. MJ leaves to go play baseball. And that, like, I mean, if that didn't happen, who knows the trajectory, I guess you could say, of Shaq's career. I look at it from two angles. It's an, it's an intros, introspective angle um, that you you – you bring it from. So when you look at when Michael retired in 1993, after winning that last championship against the Phoenix Suns, the Charles Barkley, Dan Marley, and Kevin Johnson led team. Um, what I find interesting is, um, you know, Shaq was drafted in 92 by Orlando uh, and Orlando was building uh, their team. You know, you had Nick Anderson on that team, Dennis Scott, Shaq, Penny Hardaway, Brian Hill was the coach. And to me, the only Recent team that I could think of um, as two teams. One that's more recent is the, the Thunder with KD, Russell Westbrook, uh, and, and, and company. And then this young, full of talent, and early on, you know, made it to the finals. Of course, they did lose to the Miami Heat-led um, uh, uh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Miami Heat-led team. But the other team is the Dallas Mavericks of the 90s with Jason Kidd, Jimmy Jackson, and Jamal Mashburn. Sometimes young teams... Mm-hmm. Like that, just get it. But I think that Michael had his chance in 95. They did lose to the Magic. And Shaq said to me, you know, I used to make win bets with young kids where I say, yo, I, I, you know, I eliminated Michael's team in the playoffs. They'd be like, no, you didn't. And he would go on YouTube. <laughs> you know, so you, you look at that situation. So I, I, I think, you know, when you talk about the coming of age for the Magic, it was a quick run, and then, you know, Shaq bolted for the Lakers. Uh, but what I find interesting is you ask somebody like Kenny Smith or Robert Ory, who were both members of the Houston Rockets, they've told me we would still beat Michael and the Bulls. We were that good. I think in, mm-hmm. the, in the 90s era of basketball, I think we were spoiled with the amount of talent that was out there. And Hakeem Olajuwon often gets overlooked. Reggie Miller gets overlooked. He does. Michael was that good. Yeah. Do you think the – I've talked about this over the past couple weeks. It's funny you bring that up. Do do you think the competition is that much weaker, for lack of a better way to put it, right now than it was in the 90s? I don't think it's fair to compare eras um, because if that's the case, Bill Russell is the best player that ever played because he has 10 championships. (laughs) Right. Convo over. Michael has six. You know, I, I think just like now, like a lot of times the younger generation, like the, the, the age bracket now that's young, you got you, you, you people say, well, TV shows now are trash and they want to go back to the 90s. And, the, and but the funny thing is, in the 90s, 
parents were saying that the 90s stuff was trash. So I, I, I try to be careful with that because hmm. I don't want to come across as an old head. I just think the talent is different. I think that now it's, a lot of this stuff is positionless basketball. So because it's positionless basketball, people get angry. But people used to get mad at Allen Iverson and all those other guys who were wearing baggy shorts, cornrows, <laughs> tattoos, and more. And now yeah. Allen Iverson is revered. People have revisionist, revisionist history and memories. Um, I, I think that sometimes we're so quick to compare errors, we don't enjoy the greatness that's in front of us. We can never enjoy the moment. I think that's facts right there. It's like everyone's always like, well, back then it was better. And we're going to talk about the Sixers in a few minutes. And, you know, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson's with me. Follow him on Twitter at Scoop B. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's just crazy how people always want to say, oh, look in the past or it's going to be better down the road. And you bring up positionless basketball. And we're going to talk about the Sixers and Embiid and, and Simmons and, those are two guys that Embiid's a big man. He has Hakeem-like skills. Where does he fit in today's game? Can the Sixers build around him? All that stuff we're going to get into, Scoop. Before we get into that, I want to play a little game with you. So over the past few episodes, I've started a segment called yeah. Get to Know the Guest here on The okay. Fix. And it's just going to be a, you know, a few questions I'm going to rattle off. And I want to hear your answer. And if I disagree or if you surprise me with anything, you're going to have to explain yourself. All right. Okay. I'm down. All right. <laughs> Get to know Scoopy. Here we go. Question number one. Favorite Jordans all time. It's a tie. Oh, come on. A tie. I have, I have two favorites. All right. I like the threes and I like the 11s. Ooh, man. You're not throwing the ones in the mix. You know, it's interesting. I, um, <laughs> I, didn't, I wouldn't buy the ones when I was growing up because, to me, they look too much like Air Force Ones. You might as well buy Air Force Ones and they were cheaper. Mm, I get that. I get that. I, I think the original ones, like the red and the white and the black that, obviously, Jordan wore, we saw last episode in the Garden in 98 and in 84. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, those are special for obvious reasons, but. I don't know if I would rock them. Like, I like the the other colors for the ones, if that makes sense. No, I, I'm with you. I, I am actually, I just purchased a pair of ones. Um, I don't mean to sound bougie at all, but I go. So to did I. So I want to know which ones you got. <laughs> so I had mine customized. Oh, man. I have a buddy of mine who has, I have a pair of 11s that are customized too by the same designer. Shout out to my guy, Ishmael of Revive Store. Uh, the name of his company is Revive Store. And basically Ish um, made a pair of uh, Jordan 1s that we call Air Scoopies, but basically they're a tribute to Kobe Bryant. And the, the tribute is every color that Kobe has ever worn um, through high, from high school on to the Lakers. So he was drafted by the Hornets. There's purple and teal in it. There's gold um, and purple that were, that you know that celebrates the Lakers. And then there is that I guess that's maroon that that celebrates the Lower Marion High School Aces. Uh, I went to school down the street from Lower Marion, so I'm very familiar with that area. But um, he was actually supposed to bring it to my house yesterday. They're coming tomorrow or today tonight. One of the two. Um, I, I was supposed to wear them during All Star Weekend, but they weren't done in time. Um, I've never worn a pair of ones, so I'm going to see how they fit on my feet, but <laughs> I, I, I just don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Yeah, no, I like it, man. That's, that's something that obviously no one else is going to have. You get the custom ones. Yeah. That's, uh, that's as good as it gets. So I, I got the Jordan one mid, they came out in 2018. They're like black, white, and gold. Yes. I know exactly which ones you're talking about. Yeah. I just got them and I love them. They're like a, a baby child to me right now. I'm afraid to even wear them. But so you've not worn yeah. them yet. <laughs> I mean, I've worn them around the house, but I'm afraid to take them outside. Smart man. You know what you. I mean? I don't I mean, I don't want I don't want anyone stepping on them. Check not, this out. <laughs> I spoke to somebody the other day who told me that when they first came out in 84, 85, they were $65. Oh, <laughs> Oh man, that's a return on your investment if you sell them right now. 
because that's not the case now. I spoke to no. some, uh, uh, someone at Nike earlier today who told me um, that Nike sales are off the roof because of um, the ones, that whole situation being discussed on the uh, the Jordan documentary and how you know yeah. that sale is educating people on different things. But yeah, I was told that that the sales have skyrocketed since the documentary and it's been they've been restocking like crazy. I mean, I, I'm we obviously all have a lot of downtime. Like at night, I'll jump on Facebook Marketplace or Let Go or Offer Up. Everyone's selling their Jordan gear. Like is popular as it gets, and I feel like everyone's trying to capitalize on it and make a buck or two. But it's wild, man. All right, so let's move on to question number two. Get to know Scoopy. Okay. Interview one person, dead or alive. If I could interview one person, dead or alive. Yep. Doesn't um, have to be ball. Doesn't have to be sports. I mean, anyone. Probably Barack Obama. That's a good one. That's a good one. If Barack. Not him, if not him, Jay-Z. Man, Jay-Z's another good one. All right. Question number three. So in the MLB, obviously, everyone, every player, when they walk up to the plate, they have their walk-up song. What would mm-hmm. Scoop B's walk-up song to the plate be? Um, I have a lot. I'll tell you, um, you guys are Philly-centered, and I actually fell in love with this movie even before I became familiar with the area. I like the Rocky theme. If not the Rocky theme, then I of the Tiger. Oh, man. See, you're, you're playing your audience right now. Smart man. Smart <laughs> man. <laughs> All right. Favorite NBA player that never won a title? Charles Barkley. Yep. Same with me. Uh, Same question now, but favorite NBA team that never won a title? Hmm. There's some good ones. The Nets. Oh. The Nets. Jay Kidd, Jefferson, that squad, Kenyon Martin? I mean, just the organization as a whole. But yeah. yes, you know, that 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 team, uh, you know, is special. Um, but just the organization as a whole, I think, you know, when you look at the organization that's never won an NBA championship, has won an ABA championship when they were the Long Island Nets, played in Long Island, New York. Um, I, I think that this next seat, next couple of seasons are going to be pivotal. And, you know, I, I think KD, Kyrie and, and company will be, you know, primed and ready to go to make a splash. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to see them do that. And, you know, Kyrie grew up watching uh, Jason Kidd uh, propel his team to the to the NBA Finals. And, you know, hopefully they get it right. All right. So let's get sidetracked for a second. There's a lot of talk now, Scoop, that if the NBA returns, and it feels like it's going to, it's not official, obviously, yet, but it seems like they're really making an effort and they really want to finish this season and, you know, crown a champion. Do you think KD is going to be ready if they start up soon? And do you think the Nets can legitimately win the title this year if they go and finish the season? Um, it depends on what happens with Kyrie and if he returns. Um, I can tell you that True. Uh, he's been in Arizona uh, working out uh, with uh, Jason Kidd's old trainer uh, in Arizona. Uh, it's not common knowledge. I'm, I'm dropping the gym for you there. But oh, you're the man. Um, I can tell you that it depends on his health. Um, and I also can tell you that, you know, the Nets are very prudent in how they uh, detail uh, injury reports. As you saw when I reported about Kyrie Irving's uh, thoracic bursitis in his shoulder, you know, yeah. former coach Kenny Atkinson denied it. The Nets are not always forthcoming with injuries. And I think I can tell you this, that the Nets don't want to put that pressure on KD. They've been very protective of him, have said that since training camp. Um, and, you know, if he does come back, he, he'll do it in his time. Um, but I think that this, this, in a grander scheme, this um, coronavirus pandemic has made a reset for a lot of players. Even somebody like Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, who you know hurt himself before the, the hiatus, has had time to nurse his his, his, his nicks and bruises, and as as has Ben Simmons. And um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, it really With is. Kate. I, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're the Nets, it's like you bring up a good point. Do we go and throw KD and Kyrie out there and try and, quote, unquote, steal a title this year? Or do we sit back and say, this is this is a little stupid and reckless. Let's <laughs> let's do the opposite. You know, that well, I mean, when you, decisions when you look at the NBA's Eastern Conference, um, 
you got Milwaukee, uh, who, you know, they've won 60 games already and, uh, you know, are the fan favorite for many. But, you know, you look at a few years ago, like three years ago, Boston was in first place with Isaiah Thomas and, you know, they lost to the, to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, one year Atlanta was in first place and Cleveland took care of business, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you look at comparatively in the Western Conference, um, this could be the Lakers' um, – this could be – I won't say it won't be their last. It'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, once a healthy Golden State, you know, uh, takes flight next season. Like, so, you know, you look back at the – go back out east – um, those are quick plane rides back and forth. But, you know, when you go back mm-hmm. east, um, you know, Philadelphia could have something to say about that with the healthy Ben Simmons. You know, you look at, I think, like, the east, to me, is more competitive than people give it credit for. Um, and I think that, you know, you look at New York, you look at the Nets, you look at Philly, you look at, you know, the, the Sixers, you look at Boston, you know, you, yeah. you look at look at Indiana. You know, I, I spoke to Miles Turner uh, I bumped into him at the airport and, and we were talking just about how those guys are, you know, like oh, how they're overlooked. He goes, we like it that way. Let them keep overlooking us and, you know, we'll take care of business. So, you know, while Philly and, and or rather, well, Philly and Milwaukee and Boston are the sexy picks, you can't sleep on some of these other Eastern Conference teams as well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think there's depth in the East and especially with all this going on, like you just come to a screeching halt and not play or be in a facility for two months. I mean, all bets are, are really going to be off. It's going to be really interesting to see between that and players coming back from injuries, not coming back, what could potentially happen as the NBA hopefully finishes the 2019-2020 NBA season. So, Scoop, you bring up the Philadelphia 76ers, and I want to transition there with you before we finish the episode with some Last Dance uh, Jordan documentary stuff. We talked about this earlier on air on 97.3 ESPN regarding the 76ers, but let me just ask you straight up. What's the problem in Philly with the Sixers? And, and maybe you don't think there is one, but what is it? Injuries. It's one. Two is uh, certain defensive lapses. Three is you're still missing J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler. Hmm. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm with you, and that that third point is arguably my number one amongst other things. And and here's my take on the Sixers: 2017, the Sixers were 500 essentially all year long. And Bead goes down, and Ben Simmons leads the Sixers to like 16 straight wins to end the year. They eclipse 50 wins. They win a playoff series against the Miami Heat. They lose in yep. the second round to Boston. All right. And now all of a sudden, that's a 21 year old Ben Simmons, by the way. And now all of a sudden, the organization and the city of Philadelphia is like, oh, it's win now in Philly, baby. It's win now. And they make all these moves. I, I used this analogy earlier. The, the, the Sixers <laughs> organization is like a guy that doesn't want to commit to a relationship. You know, they have their high school sweetheart in Rocco and Dario and TJ McConnell. They jump on Tinder after dumping them. They swipe right on Jimmy Butler. They delete Tinder. They download Plenty of Fish. They get Tobias Harris. They get the Cougar now in Al Horford. They, they don't have any consistency in their roster. How can they win like that, Scoop? Damn it, you stole my Cougar line. I just want everybody to know. That was your line. <laughs> that was your line. I am that. Yes, I did not come up with that. That's Scoop's line. But you did come <laughs> up with and eloquently put that into a whole thing. Not every writer would be able to jump on that. And what I'll say is you're absolutely right. I do think that um, the Jimmy Butler thing was, was a conundrum because, you know, as I said on your show on 97.3 uh, ESPN, I, I think that um, really and truly Jimmy Butler was a Scottie Pippen to, uh, to an appoint forward role for, for Philadelphia last season, you know, where he was able to move Ben Simmons off the ball a lot at Brett Brown's system. And I think that, you know, at times everybody criticizes Ben Simmons for not taking a jumper. You don't have to uh, have a jumper uh, to, to win a world championship. I think Jason Kidd debunked that myth, at least leading the Nets to the NBA Finals and then later winning one in 2011 with the Dallas Mavericks mm-hmm. as their point guard. But to, to keep it all Sixers, I think that the Sixers are missing that, that, that second, that second you know, swing man that can do some things, not to take anything away from Tobias Harris. You know, I like Tobias. I think he's become the vocal leader by default for that team. Um, young guy, stand-up guy. 
um, you know, and trying to do a lot, but it, it, it took, it took Al Horford and Jimmy Butler, or excuse me, Al Horford and Tobias Harris to try to make up for Jimmy Butler and you still can't. Um, you're missing, you know, some would say for Conquermas, you know, uh, replaces uh, JJ Reddick. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I do think that, you know, JJ's not just his shooting, but his, but his leadership was a thing, you know, that made that team a cohesive unit. I do think that when you look at, um, you know, Ben Simmons, uh, at times, um, I think he struggles with finding uh, the identity uh, or the fit with, with, ben, with Joel Embiid. And I don't think it's a personality thing. I just think that, you know, it's a good problem for Philly to have when you have a point guard and a, and a power forward um, that, that are mobile the way that they are. But um, I, they're just missing something. I really do think that, that they missed that team from last year. That team last year was potent. They just were a Kawhi Leonard jump shot away from going to the next round. You know, and then you bring in, you know, Al Horford. And Al Horford, to me, I like him because he has hella, um, you know, playoff experience and is yeah. the big man that plays the mentor role, uh, if you will, or that the, becomes the Joel Embiid whisperer. But, you know, um, I, I think that I think that when Embiid was out, Horford kind of excelled. How can those two be successful together? I'd like to see it. But I think they're missing like a a, a, a a two guard off the bench that can benefit them. I've always been an advocate for Jamal Crawford. I think he fits in that offense uh, dynamically. But you know, I, I've heard that they, that Philly wasn't interested because you know they they questioned his defensive ability. Um, and you know, Jamal and I have talked about that on the podcast. And there's a lot of people that don't play no defense, so I don't know. But um, right, <laughs> yeah. So you know, as it relates to Philly, I, I do still still think they're missing Jimmy and JJ Reddick. Why didn't they keep Jimmy Scoop? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that um, there's talk that, you know, there was a chemistry issue on that team uh, and that JJ, or excuse me, that, that Jimmy was just a very um, himself kind of guy. I'll put it <laughs> like that. But right. himself still produced uh, a successful season in Philadelphia. And if you're a Sixers fan, you're disappointed that that, that didn't continue. Uh, so I've heard different things, but, you know, I, I'll tell you that, you know, <laughs> I know that Elton Brand was on that phone trying to make some things happen. I remember I, 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 I text Elton and called him a couple of times and he didn't answer. This was like a few days before the, the, the um, free agency frenzy. He didn't get back to me until like 4th of July. I was like, yo, man, sorry, I'll just get back to you. As you can see. Things have been hectic. I said, you don't say. Um, so <laughs> when you look at what Philly was trying to do, he definitely had his hands full. And, um, you know, I, I think he's trying to do the best job that he can. But I also think when you're in a Northeast city, you just expect a lot. You know, uh, when you look at the Knicks, you look at the Nets, you look at the Celtics, like we know basketball. We're passionate fans. And so I think that when you talk about just Ben Simmons doing a lot at the age of 21, it's like you want more. More is better, right? So you're expecting that, but these guys are still young. That's and that's like the the biggest thing that I understand both sides of it. The people that scream they want to win now, and you have to always understand that Ben Simmons is so young, and that's where I always point to the organization with their philosophy. Just not really. It just feels like they don't know which which direction they're going. And for me. Scoop, I want to ask you this because this is one of the hottest topics outside of Ben Simmons and his shooting, lack thereof. Brett Brown. Is Brett Brown the problem? Is he a problem? Is that story overrated? I think Brett Brown, like Mike Budenholzer, have benefited from being under Greg Popovich. Um, And I think that um, Brett Brown, his coaching tenure – uh, is the dream of many. You look at Brooklyn, uh, Kenny Atkinson was let go, you know, after, you know, the belief by many within the NBA is that um, he was overrated but this season. But then at the same time, you know, he brought that team to the playoffs with D'Angelo Russell and company last season. So comparatively to, you know, uh, uh, Brett Brown, I think that people like um, – people like Atkinson would be like, well, how the heck is he there so long when, you know, this was a Sixers team that, you know, won 12 games one year and, you know, dealt with uh, the whole 
Twitter burner gate scandal with 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 um, Colangelo, and you know you dealt with Hinky in the process, trust the process era, and you know you, 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 I think Brett Brown was the head coach of that team when um, Michael Carter Williams was there. He was, yeah. He's been around for a long time. That's two rookie of the years. That's a you know Okafor era that was brief, or and people were mad about him speeding under Ben Franklin and. Listen, New York is home, but I know Philly. And um, <laughs> at the same time, I, I just think that when you look at um, just Brett Brown's tenure, there must be something they like um, because Elton is back in Brett and Brett is back in Elton. And so one of them, you know, it, it, one of them must know something. And they, I don't know what it is, but I think in the eyes of the Sixers fans, you know, some people, I remember this. I remember I was in Philly in February during that stretch right before the All-Star break when they had that long home stretch where they played Memphis, Chicago, and then the Clippers. And I remember that when, uh, you know, when they do the whole uh, introducing your Philadelphia 786ers, head coach is Brett Brown. Whoa. Oh, yeah. They were yep. going to help Brett Brown. And when he got that win against Memphis, that was a Friday night. Then they got that win against Chicago. That was a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And then they beat the Clippers that Tuesday? What? We we were here. Head coach is Brett Brown. Yeah. <laughs> the ups and downs of an NBA season. For sure. But it just feels like since Brett, since the Sixers have been, I guess, relevant, you know, that first playoff run, it just mm-hmm. seems like Brett can't win in Philadelphia. There's some ups, but it's almost like when the ups happen, the fans are like, well, that's just because of the talent like this team is going to win and they can win and Brett's holding them back. And I'm not saying I even believe that, but it just feels like if nothing else, Brett could be a great basketball mind. He could be a great guy, a great coach. It just seems like his voice has ran dry in that locker room and something needs to change, man. I, I just don't know what it is, but I think that's a start. I think that um, there were reports that, and it wasn't my beat, but there was reports that he last season that the, the Sixers had to make it at least to the semis or the conference. I can't remember what it was. And I'll I see think the out. conference finals. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was issues with, you know, Ben Simmons as it related. There was a report out that, you know, there was something with him in Miami or Orlando or one of the two. And it was picked up by the Daily News. Who knows? But I, I do know that, um, I do know that there are other teams that would love to be in their position. The Charlotte Hornets easily come to mind. Um, you know, the Chicago Bulls easily come to mind. I'm sure that the the, the Bulls would love um, someone of Brett Brown's caliber to hold, um, you know, Levine accountable, if, you know, but they have a head coach at, at, at the time of this recording. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I know they're doing a big overhaul in Chicago as we speak, but you know, as it relates to the Sixers and Brett Brown, you know, I, I don't know what the future holds. You asked you asked um, Elton about Brett, and Elton says that Brett's job is fine. Um, you asked Brett about Elton, and El- and Brett speaks the world of Elton. It's a, it's a, it seems, you know, publicly that it's a happy marriage. Um, but I, I think that it, it, it comes down to wins and dollars and cents at the end of the day. And, um, you know, there is there was an expectation this season that, you know, the Sixers would deliver. And who's to say, you know, that if a season does happen, um, that, you know, as much as people are giving, you know, the Bucks uh, a, a lot of credit, who's to say that things couldn't change? You know, you look at the Utah Jazz in the Western Conference. There were some chem- there were some chemistry issues because of why we're in this situation with, you know, Donovan Mitchell and 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 and, and company. And it's like chemistry can change at the drop of a hat who's to say that the Sixers mm-hmm. you know like I know members of the Los Angeles Lakers that speak about just how much their group chat keeps them all encouraged um and and keeps guys going you know Contavious Caldwell Pope shared with me just how um those guys were supportive of him when he was in that shooting slump during the season who's to say that Philly isn't building that same type of culture as everybody is on the men and waiting to see what happens next you know things can change you, you, I'm sure there's been times when you were in college, you went from having an A in, in, in your in your biology class to maybe slacking a little bit because you went to one too many parties. Maybe <laughs> you with a C minus. Things can change. <laughs> You're giving me too much credit with that A at one point, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> we're talking with uh, 
Brandon Scoop B Robinson. Follow him on Twitter at Scoop B. So I, I want to ask you one more Sixers question, and, and we'll wrap up with sure. some last dance stuff. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, can they really coexist? Let me maybe rephrase it real quick. Can Joel Embiid be the number one guy on a team that wins a title in today's game? And it's not even a knock on Joe. It's just the way the game is played right now and where Embiid is at and where the organization is at. Can he be the guy and can those two coexist? I think he can be the guy for this instance. You you made a point about how the game has changed. The more things, the more things change, the more they remain the same. I had this conversation with uh, Ray Allen uh, who said to me, um, you know, B, I, I feel like the big man is making a return. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, Everybody can't be a shooter. Everybody can't be Clay Thompson. Everybody can't be Ray Allen. Everybody can't be Steph Curry. He goes, the big man is making a return. We had this conversation last um, February during All-Star. And he's like, um, and then I made mention of like guys like Taco Fall. He goes, yeah, you got guys like Embiid. You got Aiton out in Phoenix. You know, you, you, you I mean, heck, yeah. you got Taco Fall, who's a fan favorite in Boston. Like, you got a lot of guys that that are that are big men that, that are hybrid big men. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I always regretted for Philly that there was no way um, that they could retain Joel, uh, excuse me, uh, Jalil Okafor. And, you know, Jalil and I have talked about that. Um, you know, he said to me, man, I miss Philly. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those things, just that era. I think his, his psyche was kind of messed up during that era, just with the, 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 the front office back then. Um, those are my speculative thoughts, but I, I do think right. that I think at the end of the day, um, the big man, um, you know, the dominant big man that was Shaq, uh, the, 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 the agile big man that was uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, to be honest with you, imagine if Kevin Garnett played in this ever now, he, he'd, be, he'd be a beast. Um, he would. But I, I think when you look at, you know, Joel Embiid, I, I just think um, he's got to be healthy. You know, we dealt with this in 2014 when he was drafted and, you know, the Sixers believed in him and stuck with him and knew he, this guy coming out of Kansas was going to be a problem. And, you know, he's shown flashes of that. He's an all-star, you know, but uh, I, 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 I wish we could argue that they just were a bad team and, you know, those guys coexist, but they're a top team and they just had some struggles because they were hurt. Who's to say that that, that team can't gel and do something in the, in the second half. Uh, but, you know, we could say the same thing about Orlando. I feel like there's an equal opportunity for everybody to come back and do something special. Yeah, there really is. And that's going to be the Sixers. If the season comes back, they'll get to the NBA finals and that will complicate everything like a hundred times worse than it already is. Just knowing how. Yeah, Philly but you could say that about the Nets stuff. too. You could say that about Milwaukee too. I think that's the, the beautiful thing about LeBron James no longer being in the Eastern Conference and the Golden State Warriors not being a factor this season. It's anybody's ballgame. It is, man. And that's why I really want to see the NBA finish what they started here because I think those ratings, the excitement, the drama, the unknown factor of, you know, a, a postseason right now after this pandemic and what just everyone's been through is, uh, you know, would be something special. So, Scoop, I want to do some last dance stuff with you before I let you go. Sure. You're the man. Thank you for spending, you know, this much time with me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, bro, of course. <laughs> Anytime you want. Anytime. Yes, sir. So, seven and eight, those episodes air in two days. We're recording on Friday night here. They air Sunday night at 9 p.m. And I got this quote from, I think, so Jason Hare. I'm saying his name wrong. He's the director of The Last Dance. He was on the Dan Patrick show earlier this week. And he said he is shocked Jordan approved episode seven because he said episode seven is going to be the craziest one yet. Just really never before seen footage of Jordan laying in the teammates and how crazy and competitive he was as a leader and just a teammate at that time. What are your thoughts on all that? And, uh, you know, what are you looking forward to seeing? Um, it wasn't a surprise to me. Um, and I think that's why Michael had to put out that, that statement about, you know, he felt as though, you know, people might see him differently. And it's funny because um, I saw a video of him and Scott Burrell going at it or him yelling at Scott Burrell. Um, and I had Scott Burrell, 
on the Scoopy Radio podcast a few weeks ago, and he talked about how Michael made him a better player. Um, I, I knew I got to cover Scott Burrell uh, during the 97-98 season when he was a member of the New Jersey Nets. And uh, Scott, you know, talked reverently about Michael then. And I think that Michael was just um, – he was like your – he was like somebody's dad when they came home from school and you couldn't just lay around and sleep all day. You had to get your butt up and get a job for the summer and, and mow the lawn and all those different things. I think he was just a perfectionist. And some people, I think in this, this, this bullying era that we live in um, is not receptive to that. It's interesting because that level of, 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 of yelling, I think is lost. I think more kids need to get their behinds beat and it would be a lot more mature and a lot more disciplined. And I think there's a correlation between things that are going on now and lack of discipline, you know? So, you know, when you look to, to keep it focused back on basketball, I just think a lot of people may not be receptive to it. I'll add um, that uh, certain people who have those type of personalities, um, they're rare. Um, Kyrie Irving uh, is, was mentored heavily uh, by Kobe and the one thing I'll tell you is uh, somebody shared with me as it related to Kyrie, um, people think that Michael was crazy. Um, people compare Kobe to Michael. The level of crazy that Kobe had wasn't on the same level as Michael, meaning Michael was a tyrant compared to Kobe. Kobe liked yeah. the game, but he could turn it off. Michael, all the time competition, basketball, life, what have you. Um, so, you know, whatever comes from this documentary that you all will see, um, don't be shocked by it. Uh, the Birmingham Baron stuff is going to become apparent to a lot of people why he did what he did. Um, and, and I'll just add that that era, like people, many people who work nine to fives come home and are not the focal point of their job may not understand what it's like to be the face of something that is maybe even bigger than you. And um, I'll tell you that there's been NBA Hall of Famers who have called me and cursed me out based off of something that I've written. So anything <laughs> that Michael does doesn't really surprise me just because I know that level of competitiveness that's there. So, you know, I, it, it doesn't really surprise me that, you know, right. people get surprised. But th there's a lot that goes into episode seven. And I can't wait for you all to see it. Bro, I can't wait, man. It's been and the, the timing of this, man, when we're all stuck at home and there's no <laughs> sports and it's actually being released like two episodes at a time in this binge culture that we're all a part of where, you know, a documentary, all 10 episodes get released or a new TV show, all 15 episodes of season one get released. I love that we can talk like Sunday to Sunday, what we liked, what we didn't like, what we want to see. I think that's been one of the coolest parts. Uh, of all of this scoop, for me at least. Yeah, for sure. I, I, it's, it was divinely orchestrated in that way. Um, and, I, and I think that when you look at um, many people who want to say Kobe's better than Michael or compare LeBron um, to Michael, you also have to take into consideration um, the things that Michael was doing and then was never heard of. Yeah, you had Magic Johnson who wore the Converse weapons and you know, who was the leader of the Showtime era Lakers. But, you know, Magic Johnson uh, got older, you know, when Michael and the Bulls played against the Lakers. So the baton was passed there. Uh, Isaiah Thomas tore his Achilles. And, you know, you, you that at a time when those injuries weren't on the men like they are now for somebody like KD. And Larry Bird, you know, had back issues. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, the, the baton, baton was given to Michael. He took it and he ran. But I think it was as much as the competitive nature of what Michael did was special, the way that he did it, um, you know, the sneaker deals that he was getting, all of this stuff was never heard of. Sure, you had Dr. J wearing the Converse's, you had Magic wearing them, you had, you know, Isaiah who wore Asics and, you know, all these things. But the way Michael did it, it, it was just different. Um, it was enjoyable. And the way that Rod Thorne bettered that team as the architect uh, as the general manager, I think is special. And even the baton passed on from, from Collins to Phil Jackson and Tex Winter implementing the channel offense. All of these things were intricate into what the development of Michael was. And it's funny because, you know, many people talk about LeBron not being a winner and stuff. 
you know, like Michael had to go through the Pistons. Michael had to, you know, pay homage to this and that. I think that some of the same um, issues that that LeBron dealt with in his career uh, are comparable to Michael. The only difference is, you know, LeBron switched teams. Michael stayed with one team. Mm-hmm. You know, but Michael. That, that's. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Scoot. Go ahead. But but I think Michael Michael was the blueprint for for today's swing man. Um, but I, I I think you know even with the sneakers, I keep going back to that. Like you know, like if it wasn't for Michael, Kobe wouldn't have had to deal with Adidas or Nike, um, and and LeBron wouldn't have the signature shoe that he did and be sought out. The same person who signed got Michael signed the Nike was the same person who got LeBron to sign that ninety million dollar deal. Sonny Vaccaro. So a lot of things to consider. And, you know, Michael set the groundwork for Kobe and, and, and the others. So, and Michael gave the baton to Kobe. I think people didn't realize that. Yeah. I, I, and Kobe said it himself last week, you know, like, listen, there's no me, there's no five championships without Michael Jordan. So just stop it. It's so crazy <laughs> to hear you say Kobe said that last week. We know why. And I mean that in a joking way. Um, but I think yeah. ESPN has posthumously, uh, made that transition seamless. Yeah, they 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 really did, and they've just done a fantastic job from start to finish. So I'm going to let you go in just a minute, but I want your thoughts on probably one of my biggest takeaways, and you alluded to some of this uh, just a minute ago, but all the BS that Michael Jordan dealt with, at least what's being um, you know put up on the screen for us throughout this Last Dance documentary so far, just with Jerry Krause, with Scottie Pippen, with Dennis Rodman, with all the media in that last year asking him every second, is he coming back? Is he retiring? Just all of the stuff that he dealt with to still go 6-0 and in the finals, to still uh, three-peat, I should say, two different times. Like LeBron, and I'm not knocking LeBron, it's just a different time. He got up and left Cleveland, and then he returned when it was fit. <laughs> Jordan never budged, never moved and just led the ship through all of the storms. I thought that takeaway, especially for the younger generation, Scoop, is one of the biggest storylines out of all this. Yeah, I, you know, John Stark said this to me, former Nick. He said, uh, you know, you can't compare. You'll never be able to compare Michael and, and um, Michael and, and uh, LeBron because LeBron went to different teams to get those championships. But I also think that LeBron James represents – the freelance culture of our generation. Um, if it doesn't mm. work. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. You can, you can go here, you can go there. And I think that the thing that's worth considering is this. Um, when management makes moves, nobody, nobody burns, the, burn, burns their office down like they burn LeBron's jersey in Cleveland. And, 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 <laughs> um, and when you look at sports, Kurt Flood, made the free agency process uh, an option for, for Major League Baseball. Uh, I mean, his case went all the way to the Supreme Court. He didn't want to get traded or he didn't want to report to the team that he was traded to, so he went on his merry way. Um, I, I will say this directly to your question. LeBron doesn't have to be Michael in order to be great. LeBron is great because LeBron is LeBron, and I think we as people and consumers have to stop always having to put people in a box. Um, you know, I, I've gotten criticism as, in my pers- 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 ugh, my particular craft. He's not at ESPN. He's not here. He's not there. He's the, mm. he, he, is he trying to be Stephen A? Is he trying to be Rose? Why don't you just let people be people? Right. And enjoy no, that's, that's facts. the moment yeah. that they're in. Because here's the thing. Here's the secret. LeBron was never a player like Michael. LeBron was more magic in Oscar Robertson than he was Michael anyway. Yeah, we're obsessed in this culture of even a guy in college or a top prospect in the draft. Well, what's his who's he like? What's his game like? Oh, he's the next magic. He's the next Kobe. He's the next JJ kid, whoever it is. And it's like I, I couldn't agree with you more in that sense of no, he's the next himself. Like, what, why do you have to put the pressure on him and, and put him in a box, as you said um, so perfectly, Scoop? I hate that. Kyle Kuzma said that to me recently. He said, you know, um, I, I grew up a fan of Kobe. He was a mentor of mine. Um, he said this the day before the, 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 uh, the airplane crash, or excuse me, the helicopter crash. 
coldest helicopter crash. He said, you know, I play for the Lakers organization. I know what magic means to this team. Um, I, I count Kobe as a mentor, and I have the, the honor of playing with, you know, LeBron James as a teammate. He goes, but I don't like putting people in boxes. I like enjoying the moment. And I bumped into Kyle out of Chicago during all star. I said, yo, them quotes you gave me were crazy. He goes, yo, isn't it eerie how that sounds in retrospect? Man, that is, man. That's just, that's another level. <laughs> you know, stuff like that is unexplainable, right? It is. <laughs> and, I, and I think, you know, I use this analogy also. Um, Alicia Keys is one of the most talents, biggest talents that we've had in our lifetime. She can play the piano. She can sing. She can rap. When she first came out, people were like, well, is she Lauren Hill? You know, is she, is she Eve? Is she Trina? Like, what is she? Yeah. Why don't you just enjoy the moment? Yeah, and she's she's none of those things. <laughs> like that's that's the biggest, I think, bottom line in this conversation we're having is she she's none of those people. She's something that we've never seen before. And even if it's similar, don't put her in a box that she can't be her own person or whoever it is. So I think that's that's a great point, and that's a whole nother like different road we went down, and I'm and I'm happy we did. So, Scoop. I'm going to finally let you go, man. I, I appreciate your time. I really do. <laughs> problem. I got to get on another call in five minutes, but I'm glad that you made time for me and I made time for you and we got to do this again. Uh, absolutely, man. I, I'll be bothering you. I'm sure sooner than later, Brandon scoop B Robinson, follow him on Twitter at scoop B scoop B radio subscribe. Just want to once again thank Brandon Scoopy Robinson for taking a lot of his time to sit down and talk with me regarding all things hoops, man. NBA, Last Dance documentary, Sixers, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tinder, whatever it may be. He's a lot of fun to talk to, as knowledgeable and entertaining as it gets. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Once again, follow me on Twitter at Ryan973ESPN. Subscribe to The Fix on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening. Until the next time, everyone. Peace.